You're listening to And hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is episode 67 for Thursday, August the 5th, 2021. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American Just You. What up, Just? What up? How are you doing? It's August. August in California. It's the heat. I don't, I, I, I will. I'm like spinach. I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, it's gross. I don't know. I took the, yeah, I took the subway yesterday and I was sticking to the seat oh, no. and I had shorts on. Oh, no. Oh, no. Why? In this weather, in this pandemic, you're wearing shorts on the subway? That is bold. That well, is, I, I kind like of have to. It's like heat stroke of dive. Right. Dive. <laughs> right. Bacteria. Thick. Well, the voice of that very brave soul is our resident professional culture editor, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hi. <laughs> yes, I was taking the subway to go see a screening and uh I had fought, forgotten my my uh hoodie that you have to bring to a screening um because it's cold in there, but never mind, it was so hot on the subway and outside that like it <laughs> it kept me warm for a good hour and a half um in the theater. I feel like we're all just hurrying up to watch as many like movies yes. in the big screen as possible before everything shuts down again because we're headed there for sure like jess and i both watched two movies this week um uh, to prepare for future discussions on this podcast in. and man get it in marvin hot girl summer it was my first time at the new alamo draft house because i never got a chance to go there before the pandemic hit last year and man that's a fancy theater it's fun right <laughs> eat like a pizza and watch a thing and also like no screaming children that's great <laughs> i know i love being able to order a beer at the theater without having to wait in line and food it was so, <laughs> oh my god like I, I if i weren't so busy with press tour i would love to meet you to there for a thing but uh yeah i'm no promises clearly yeah the popcorn's really good you can add like truffle <gasps> i got the truffle yes oh did you so good but I at ordered, some point it gets too much i ordered right. a chocolate chip cookie and it came with three what <laughs> and they were what? huge they were huge chocolate chip cookies had i known it was three i would have not had like dinner because <laughs> i also ordered dinner so i ate a chicken sandwich um like uh, the spicy chicken sandwich was wasn't very spicy, mm, and then I it's had like white people spicy, right? Yeah, it was kind of just like vinegary, <laughs> and then um, which is it was still good, but it just wasn't spicy. Um, so that's when I like later when you were talking about getting the chicken tenders, I was like, oh, I should have gotten the chicken tenders. Mm, I got chicken tendies, and they were pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but I did get the popcorn, and it was way too much after the sandwich. Um, and Although then I, I got to the say, cookies with the chicken tendies. The ranch that they serve with it is a little too watery, which is right. not great when you're eating it in a dark theater. Yeah. Uh, I do like the theater also because they have a light underneath the uh, the table. Yeah. So not only is it good to see your food, but good for people like me if we're taking notes because you oh. quickly become illegible in the dark. Um, so I was able to just then put my notebook under there just to make sure I was following the lines. Like, I don't even know if I needed. <laughs> oh, yeah, notebook. that is true. Wow. Truly like the critics like are, are the yeah, the critics theater, right? You're mm -hmm. like you're boozed up. You're well fed. You got a light underneath like, whoa, <laughs> does the movie even matter at that point? You're like, oh, have a good time. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't. But I did like the movie that I saw when I was there. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to be talking about, uh, Jess and I watched both The Green Knight and The Jungle Cruise there on the big screen. So we're, we're, we'll be talking about that later on this month. Uh, on today's episode, we're talking about season two of Never Have I Ever, the Netflix uh, coming of age story starring Matrey Ramakrishnan and um, produced by Mindy Kaling. Um, that we, we loved the first season and, it's the second, and, the second se and, and we'll find out the second season gives us more of what we love. Team Paxton, everyone. <laughs> It's coming out of the gate strong, Marvin. <laughs> but before we get to um, Never Have I Ever Season 2, let's find out what pop culture is beginning through the week. Um, let's start with Han. What's popping? Um, so I finally read the third book uh, of Helen Huang's trilogy, um, The Heart Principle. So here's the thing. 
it's like, oh my God, this book, <laughs> it's like, oh my heart. It's so, I was very, very much moved by it. Um, while the kiss quotient was more of a rom-com, um, but with a little bit of like emotional stuff, uh, Bride Test also had like some emotional stuff, but this one was less rom-com. I thought it was funny in some parts, but it definitely deals a lot deeper with um, people's issues and definitely grief and um, and so, and sort of being stuck because of um, emotional issues and anxiety. So, um, and I found it so well-written and when I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is actually Helen. And it's kind of true. When when I read the afterwards, she was like, this is actually my story. So um, it, it shows an adult woman who gets uh, an adult diagnosis of being on the spectrum, which is kind of what happened with Helen Huang. Um, but the main character is Anna's son. She is a violinist um, who is very talented, uh, g- is going to a therapist, but also um, she's been having problems performing because she has this amazing piece that was written for her, but she can't seem to get through it because she wants it to be absolutely perfect. So every time she makes a mistake, she got, starts all the way from the beginning. Um, and so she hasn't been able to perform in like months and months and months. And then... Um, I can't. Oh, also at the same time, her her trash boyfriend uh, is is dragging his feet. He doesn't want to get married, which fine, whatever. But then he also is like, well, let's also have an open relationship right now before we decide and commit to (laughs) to marriage. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So anyway, this is how the the real love interest comes in is she gets on a dating app the other the other guy is Quan, who you might remember. He, you know, is Michael's um, cousin who does mar- art, martial arts and teaches kids. Oh, he's um, like he's he was the best friend from the yeah, first, right? The so first he's best friend yeah. slash cousin, um, and uh, he has his own sort of little things going on that b- makes both of them somewhat vulnerable when they both meet. Um, there are some hot times, maybe not quite as many. As uh, in Kiss Quotient, which is totally but is fine. It as hot as the Kiss Quotient because that book was sizzling. That was, and there's some really good moments. But like I said, like if that was at a ten, this is maybe like seven, just because there's maybe less scenes, but they're still very good scenes. Um, but like I felt like even Helen Huang when she was like rereading Kiss Quotient, she kept putting like notes like, "Wait, they're having sex again?" So even she was, <laughs> so even she was shocked at how m- many times they had sex and to what extent they had sex. So this one is far less than that, but still, I think, very hot scenes, but also very emotional scenes. So um, this hit me in a different way, but I really ultimately ended up loving it. Um, you, But it is a warning. Like, it's not going to be quite as happy as you might think because, you know, the rom-com covers that are illustrated um, and maybe not quite as hot as uh, Kiss Quotient. So, you know, uh, but I think it's it's just so very authentic and honest that that's what did it for me. It's okay. Fuck me emotionally, yeah. Helen Huang. It really fuck me it, emotionally. It really screwed me over. And so th- now I'm trying to figure out like how do I write my review of this because I try to keep my uh, Goodreads slash NetGalley reviews fairly short, but I want to like impress upon people that like it will <laughs> fuck you up in the best way. So. You want to get that cover quote on that book well they're not gonna give me a quote but at the same Han time Lin of salon, salon says yeah. <laughs> well the thing is we don't even publish it on salon that's the thing it's like mm. um so like it's nice that berkeley publishing gives me these net galleys because i don't put them on salon we just we don't have that kind of readership we they don't look at reviews uh they do better for interviews so i'm trying to find actually a freelancer who wanna, wants to do an interview with helen yeah. um for me and that would, I think, be better. But anyway, so yeah, I highly recommend it. Just, you know, definitely different, you know, expectations for this would help. Um, and you have to be in the right frame of mind for it. I was very much open to it. And so I was kind of like, oh. And, um, you know, I also, I hate to say it, I love a good martyr sort of thing. And not that Anna Sun's character is a martyr. But, you know, when people just really don't get you and I get some, like, righteous anger when you read it. That's what it was for me. <laughs> so I was just like, God damn you, you're totally undercutting her. Um, and so, yeah, I, had, I felt some good, pure anger at people. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So when, when's time. it coming out? End of the month. Um, mm. I believe it is August 31st, perhaps. Let me hold on. Let me look at it. 
Yes, yes. I believe I was so. Ready to feel things. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jess. What's popping? Well, I haven't been watching a lot of TV because, Marvin, you and I have been trying to go to watch movies in theaters as much as we can, you know, getting it in before Delta kicks all our asses. Also, losing and things in the theater. Losing. We both lost something. <laughs> we went to the same theater two days in a row. And the first day, I lost something or thought I lost something. And the second day, Marvin <laughs> lost something and had to go Aww. back. It's fine. We're one for one now. Um, but yeah, one of those movies we watched, which we will probably talk more in depth about, was Jungle Cruise, starring The Rock and Emily Blunt. Um, I had a good ass <laughs> time. It's everything I wanted slash expected. I'm also just a big fan of the ride <laughs> <laughs> and the puns. Like I, I really I like the ride. Been- it's one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. I specifically love the Christmas version. They don't do it every year, but it's called Jingle Cruise. Oh my god, so good! What? I have not been on yeah, that ride in probably two they decades. They haven't. It, it's re- Jingle Cruise is relatively new, um, and then I think they did not do it in the last year or so for whatever. I don't know why, but yeah, they deck it out in Christmas. They put like cats on animals. It's really cute. They changed the script, and there's that cheesiness. It doesn't quite reach mummy level, Aww. but um, it is very fun. It is uh, some really, really great cameos. I really love it when like world-class actors just sign on to ridiculous movies and you can tell they're just having like a really good time. That was that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but would recommend if you are into like the big studio fun time movie yeah i think it's been a while since we've got like a like a swashbuckling adventure movie right Mm. that doesn't take itself too seriously um because i think i mean the marvel movies are fun but you know they're a little more like "Mm," (laughs) in the tone most of the time yeah it's 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 very rare to get four quadrant movies anymore i mean i i'm i'm very pro Re- adapting Disney rides into movies, I've learned. I got, I'm like, let's let's get a Matterhorn movie up in here. Um, and I gotta say, they did a pretty good job sanding down the um, problematic aspects of the Jungle Cruise rides because because that ride is like I know they changed it recently, right? Oh, it's very it's racist. Like, it's yeah. extremely racist. It's super like imperialist, colonialist, racist like version of the the Amazon, right? Yes, and it still is. I mean, you can't really have a movie about Jungle Cruise without that in its DNA. I mean, the whole concept is is very imperialist and colonialist. But, you know, it's like, well, listen, you got to turn the brain <laughs> off a little bit. Just a little bit. Just to enjoy The Rock saying really bad yeah, puns. Yeah, that was the part of the most enjoyable part. And, Han, I know you're going to love this because I know you love your dad jokes. But, like, <laughs> they, they've really crystallized and adapted the... Um, the soul, I guess, of the Jungle Cruise ride, which is like the script of the Jungle Cruise is in this film. Yes. It's also really, I love Emily Blunt. Um, and I think that she's great in everything, even if the movie's not great. Mary Poppins too. <laughs> but I, it's funny because I think of the two leads, The Rock and Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt is the more hardcore action star, mm. right? Like she has done really insane, incredible action movies, like like hardcore training where she can go like, you know, like horizontal to a, on a pole and like, and like abs of steel. Um, so it is funny where I was like, oh, like actually if we were, if I was going to put them two in a fight, I'd put my money on Emily Blunt. <laughs> um, she's like very lit, you know, she's very fast, agile. <laughs> Yeah, it was really fun. Jack Whitehall's her brother. You know, the, the whole Disney thing where like the first openly gay character at this point, they've said that they've had that headline like eight times, mm-hmm. but it does get a little more like explicit. They talk about it a little bit, but still vague enough where you can like get past censors in other countries. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating because it you do compare, let's say, the film world to the TV world and Disney has been doing gay for a while on TV, but yeah film they always have to be like it's coded as gay or you know um it's yeah (laughs) yeah so So, yeah we'll we'll talk more about jungle cruise later this month because hansel needs to watch it so uh i hope we did a good job hyping this up for you well i was gonna see it anyway i i enjoy the rock yeah i even watched you know hobson shaw it was not great but it was fine (laughs) um 
and you know i know what i'm getting from it i i have a mixed feelings about emily blunt in general but i do have to admit she's a good actress um so i'll probably enjoy that um i paid for it so i still haven't watched it i paid for it so my mom could watch it <laughs> um but yeah i ended up seeing another movie so uh, this is on, definitely on a parent like this is definitely like the definition of a four quadrant film like my, i would take yeah. my dad to watch this movie my mom is four quadrant all the way <laughs> um i i just it's so much easier just to pick films for her so sometimes she'll be like you gave me like four animated films i'm like i'm sorry but i just know you <laughs> i just know you're not gonna have an issue with the sex in it so. but marvin what's popping with you oh, yes. all right so okay uh, we've talked about the, okay <laughs> i've realized um something over this weekend wow because okay so as jess said we went to watch two films this weekend the other one it was the green knight starring death patel that we're going to be talk- also talking about later this month and um jess was a little less hot on that film because it's like everything she does not like in a film in one film except for mm-hmm. death patel except death patel <laughs> yes and i mean it wasn't a bad time necessarily because i got to stare at him for two hours <laughs> yeah anyway <laughs> But we'll yes. go into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had a realization because I, based on the hype that was being generated earlier on the podcast about F-Boy Island, which is premiered on <laughs> HBO Max last week, I was like, all right, I'll check it out. I'll try to see. I'll try to see if I can see what they see in it. And I realized F-Boy Island to me is what Green Knight was to Jess, <laughs> which is like, it's not for me. I don't get it. I don't know why this exists. I tried watching a full episode and I ended up just like literally just skipping to the end to see who gets cut. I mean, I I, I, I do agree. I, I still think it's a very smart show and very cheeky show, but it probably plays better if you are familiar with the tropes that it's dealing with. Because it's not a spoof of a show, but it definitely pokes fun at shows like The Bachelor um, and Love Island and Bachelor in Paradise and yeah, stuff like that. Which so. I was surprised I was kind of turned, not turned off by it, but I just wasn't feeling it because i usually enjoy shows about terrible people but when it's a couch in the reality tv series i think it's a little harder for me to get into it yeah and also they need to be fictional oh sorry and also it's uh it might be just hitting too too close to home as far as reality goes because the point of the show was to actually sort of reflect on how people use like tinder and how you can't tell who an F boy or a nice guy is, even after a few dates, and so they're they're pretty much bringing that concept straight into the reality show. I also think how you feel about reality programming and the level of trash you can accept into your heart <laughs> is really dependent on kind of your early exposure to trash reality TV and what age you were. So, like, I grew up on the diet of those terrible VH1 shows, <laughs> and like I have not seen a show surpass that level of like rock a love or flavor a love. Oh so this is like very classy. <laughs> FY Island is extremely classy compared to those. And that is why I will always love these like terrible shows. Now, Jess, you haven't started the series yet. Have you not yet? Right, so I'm we waiting. can't talk about I'm, go Asian. Yet I need to, on this show. We'll, we'll, we'll next week. Next <laughs> yes, week. I, I wanted to give like proper, like devotion to it um and i just have been too busy this last week to really you know sit and you know contemplate f-boy island so yes please yeah we, we need just expert opinion on the intricacies and the. Uh... i besides <laughs> making my two culture writers uh be fans of it i have converted my editor-in-chief and one of the uh politics editors to it so that's oh, long <laughs> I will also say, here's my take, having not even watched this show yet, the title is, there's, the twist is, doesn't matter, all men are fuckboys, yes. uh, and because men, man, why why do men? Yeah. Um, you know, audacity, I think that's kind right? of what is the, like, I don't know if this is the emerging theme of that's the series. That's the ultimate thesis but, like, of the series, like, <laughs> in this series, I will prove all men are yeah, fuck I boys, think, even if they yeah. don't think they well, are. Well, I think, uh, yeah, we've talked to the creator about this and we're just like, um, you know that the term nice guy is a loaded term, especially if people are self-identifying as it. Um, <laughs> so uh, so we will also see that throughout the season. So, oh. uh, yes, it is not it it it, it purely it truly does, even though it says that this is the premise, it very much explores how there's not 
a very easy answer for any of these things. So, um, yeah. And how how also easily the three contestants are, mm-hmm. are also pretty chaotic. So it's just like they are. They it's all just chaos are all around. Yeah, they're also all influencers in some fashion. <laughs> so it makes it even harder for them because they live in that world of of unreality. Yeah. So they they actually really can't tell. Um, whereas people on the outside, I feel like it's very clear to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, yeah. definitely. Fuck boy. That's not yeah. normal. <laughs> Only one person did, did I disagree with his self identification and for the purposes of the show, I understand why they said that, but it doesn't mean that he's actually nice. So, um, mm. because for the purposes of the show, they just said F boy means that they don't want a relationship. And so it's not actually a judgment on you want to have sex. It's just more of like you that is not your goal. And so the nice guy wants a relationship, but they may not actually be nice. So those are the things that, you know, we definitely get to see throughout the season. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, Jess's uh, expert opinion because I tried. I really tried guys. <laughs> and I we'll might talk about the Goasians from I'm going to so. keep watching and skipping to the end to see who the fuck boys yeah, are. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, honestly, <laughs> the elimination ep- uh, parts are some of the most fun because yeah. there are some surprises and there's um like uh spilling the tea during that time All, a lot of good stuff happens in the eliminations yeah um but something we can talk about going for is uh let's uh let's catch up yeah. with the olympics week Oof. two has come and gone dun, the night dun, that dun, our dun, last dun, uh, episode dun, aired dun, big dun, gymnastic dun, news that we didn't get to talk about dun, um dun. Simone Biles withdrawing due to personal yeah mental health and I mean and like let's not forget like mental health in this sport Mm -hmm. means you fall and maybe break your neck and die it's not like oh I can't get the ball into the basket it's like oh I've broken every limb in my body and I'm gonna yeah you can you you can become incredibly injured uh permanently injured or actually die so yeah uh, um, but the yeah. team stepped up, got their silver in the team, and then our girl Sunisa Lee went and won gold in the all around, which was yeah. pretty big for the Asian American world. Yeah, and in the individual uh, apparatus, uh, Team USA did very well on each of them, and then Sunisa won another. Um, Suni won another in the uneven bars of bronze, so yeah. she now has a silver, gold, and a bronze. She's just you know she won third on purpose just to complete the set. You know, you yeah, have, yeah, like, one of know. each. Yeah, I do find it really interesting because, you know, they. I wonder how much like content NBC makes Mm -hmm. or like kind of has in drafts, depending on results, right? Because the way that, you know, American sports coverage, especially with Olympics, it's always very much like the star. It's about the hero worship. We we focus on star, right? Yeah, we we hero specific people and kind of the people and you kind of just can never tell who's going to actually win your mm-hmm. hero might not end up winning gold which has actually happened a lot in this olympics right um so it, it, i'm just wondering like did they have all these sunisa lee like features ready to go and they're like all right we gotta like you know, <laughs> shift think, that out or like they're like fuck we gotta go make some right you know, now. i think that's why they kept cutting to the family cam because i don't know if mm-hmm. they had those sunisa lee packages because like they had so many things they could have prepared like Hmong americans the history like i mean she's She's not unknown. Basically, um, Suni Lee <clears throat> was number yes. two in the last yeah. U.S. competition. She's basically number two. Like she was second in the individual all around at the Worlds last year to Simone Biles. I think she outscored Simone Biles in one of the um, apparatuses uneven bars. So like she like there was a very good chance she was going to get there. But I do feel like there's still a tinge of like racism or let's say bias because when they were still going through trials and before they knew who was going to compete and what it was really there was a lot of focus on like jade carey and michaela skinner mm-hmm. who you know it made no sense like cute little white I mean, girl. Yeah, suny was obviously number two so it just made no sense that they didn't have like more i mean it makes it. no sense but also makes a lot of sense if sure. you've ever lived as like an yeah. asian or minority in this country right Yes, I will say, you know, Suni Lee, she, I think, is now a household name. I think she gained like a million followers overnight. She's super cute. Um, but also like everyone, we have to fucking protect Sunisa Lee because she's 18. 
Uh, we know people suck. We know people are racist. We saw this happen with Gabby Douglas after she won her gold. And Chloe Kim and Simone Biles after they won their overall gold and like protect Sunisa mm-hmm. Lee. If you wanna, you gotta say shit about I will fucking fight you. <laughs> I will beat your ass. Yes, definitely protect you. You don't wanna mess with just None you. None of this racist shit. Just you will end you. Put her on a Wheaties <laughs> box. Make her a Barbie. Mm-hmm. I want the Barbie with the, with the, with the gymnastics leotard, the eyelashes, mm-hmm. and the acrylic nails. <laughs> yes. All right, real quick, what else are you guys watching on the Olympics? Okay, so it's wild. Um, so, oh. you know, every year, badminton's always fun because, as Marvin pointed out, it's just badminton and ping pong is just like a bunch of Chinese people and Chinese defectors. <laughs> but this year, the men's badminton singles was won by a Dutch man. I was like, wow, <laughs> you, you go for you, Dutch man. <laughs> yeah, a lone Dutchman in a sea of... Uh, Chinese power players. That's pretty scary. Yeah, he beat yeah. he beat the he beat the um like the reigning world gold medalist and I think the reigning Olympic champion who's like from China. And I was like, you know, good <laughs> for you. Feel a little bad for the Chinese guy though. They give up a lot to train. I um, actually watched the um the semis for the team foil competition. Oh, and um, it was the last chance for um Garrick Meinhardt to win a medal. Um, in the Olympics after his wife won the gold in singles foil. Um, and he did the best he could. He set up his team. Uh, he was second to last. He set up his team with like a three-point lead. And the anchor dropped the ball and lost six points in a row. It was very disappointing. Oh, yikes. Poor dude. Um, we couldn't go Asian there. Um, i getting really excited for track and field. That's all heating up. Um, that's like usually the second half of the Olympics. So... There's something very primal about watching running. Like all the other sports, sometimes you need to know the rules, but you're like, oh no, who runs the fastest and gets over the fastest, <laughs> crosses finish line the fastest? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> most of the time, I don't really care about men's gymnastics, but I do like pommel horse for some reason because the sound of the pommel horse is like my ASMR. Um, <laughs> it, it's just so, if they do it well, it's like, oh my God, it sounds so good. Um, so I watched that. Um, Great Britain won. He he basically defended his title, and I think it was like China and then Japan and then America. But I actually don't really care who wins. Um, in this regard, you just want to see men spinning around on their on their arms. You know, it, there's <laughs> there's something about pommel horse that makes me able to understand it better than like men's floor routine is so boring. Um, there's no <laughs> artistry in it. I don't like the one. No fun music. I don't like the big, you know, like bar. I like the uneven bars better for women. And then, um, yeah, yeah, it's just not as good, but I do like pommel horse. There's something about that. And also it's like, I have a, I have a very, uh, sort of like a, a, a little soft spot in my heart because, you know, back in the day, that movie, Jim Cotta, uh, also had like you know it featured an actual gymnast who where there was a, an action movie made for this gymnast and then all of a sudden in the middle of a chase scene there's like a pommel horse and <laughs> randomly what? yes it, it, it it's like covered with stuff but it's a pommel horse clearly <laughs> and so for him to do stuff and so like, yeah I've always liked pommel horse um I just I don't know. I And I'm also fascinated by it because it's like you have to keep the momentum, but then also if they get good air with their feet and all that type of stuff. So yeah. that is, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of that. I'm also looking forward to baseball is in, is back in the Olympics. And the tonight, Tuesday night, the night that we're recording this episode um, is going to be Japan versus Korea. And that's always a good, mm. good uh, match. Um, the U.S. have dropped two games to Japan, both close. Um, it's pretty cool. I, I like I like watching international baseball because it's more exciting, a lot more base hitting, a lot more a lot more base running, and it's just a more like kind of fun way to watch baseball. It's kind of sad there's not a crowd because Japanese baseball crowds are like pretty cool. Um, but next week we can talk, finally talk about wall climbing, which is the other new yes, sport. I'm excited for that. <laughs> yes, and then I think there's some other. I think Jordan Swindle is going to be competing soon or sometime this week. He's the um, Cambodian-American Olympian diver mm. who was like adopted and raised by like a single gay dad. I'm oh. like, that's a great story. Can't wait for those features. <laughs> going to make me cry. Lots of um, lots of adoptees in 
among Olympians, from what I can tell. I don't know if it's a higher... Is there a correlation between Asians allowed to participate in professional sports and being adopted (laughs) by non-Asian parents? Maybe, right? Yeah. Just maybe a little bit. Because that was one of the biggest (laughs) things I noticed about Suni Lee was I was like, oh, this is her actual family. Um, And also they were very much not... They didn't have money because um, I did a little bit gymnastics when I was a kid, but we had to stop because it's an expensive sport. So... um, yeah. I, I'm always fascinated by the people whose parents become basically, you know, uh, gymnastics parents and <laughs> a, they give up their life and their money and whatever. But I love how uh, Suni's dad like made his own balance beam in the backyard. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so perfect. Oh, yeah. That made me cry. You know, the fact that her like dad got into an accident made yeah. me cry watching her family go crazy. Yep. All right. We'll keep keeping tabs on the Olympics until the conclusion next week. Um, But yeah, that'll do it for this week's What's Poppin'. When we come back, we're going to dive into the hot mess that is Never Have I Ever Season (laughs) 2. Stick around. Mm, But we're still here. We're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about Never Have I Ever Season 2, the second season of the hit Netflix series starring Matrei Ramakrishnan, um, created by Mindy Kaling. And yeah, it's been, how long has it been since the first season? Like two years, maybe? One year? Uh, a little over a year, because when they announced that they were going back into season two production, they also had a few COVID shutdowns, I believe. Oh, so, it's felt like a long yeah. time. But then that's that's just how much we've missed seeing Davey and her hijinks. <laughs> I guess let's get started. What do we all think of season two? I, w- I was hesitant at first because of the, the the way they introduced the premise was, you know, how they resolved the cliffhanger from last season, which was basically she kissed Ben, her her longtime academic rival. Um, and uh, as soon as she got home, Paxton's there and he's in his car. And so it's like he doesn't have to actually do anything, even though Ben like drove and stole a car <laughs> and like all did all these things and was there. No, for, no, no. He had. Yeah. He was he there for like the whole like ashes and the, you know, father's, you know, goodbye. Uh, no, but Paxton's just Paxton. He's there. So he did so much. <laughs> um, so basically when they set it up was just like, oh, I can't choose between them before I go to India. They're like, I'll just date both of them because it's, I'm going to India. No, no problem. <laughs> Which, um, you know, granted, would have been a good plan. You know, I, I have an issue with certain cringy humor depending <laughs> on the show and depending on the situation high school things where you're like just waiting for embarrassment to happen is really gets me so uh you know what i I feel the same way i feel like this show (laughs) is so cringy but i don't like it's not as like no it's not as bad as like say a pen 15 which is all about not as bad as pen 15 because i do feel like at the end of you kind of know that um that Davy's gonna be relatively yeah. okay. Like she is very resilient. Yeah, but I gotta say, this show has <laughs> great comic timing. Like the the setup of those cringy, like kind of, oh, Davy, what are you doing? And like the way that the show subverts typical comedic timing, where it's like things seem to be going well much longer than you expected to before the shoe drops. <laughs> I, I think it's done really, really well, especially this season. Yeah, I, I also have to say the w- the reason why I can take it more on this show is. I do think Matrey is great. Like she's kind of like an unknown when she started this. And I think she's adorable when she smiles. I'm just like, oh, I can't, I can't have to forgive you, Davey. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you, you did horrible things, but I understand. <laughs> yeah. I think a lesser show would have stretched out the double, 
the mm-hmm. the, the double dipping plot line for the whole season. Mm-hmm. But really, that's not what the nope. show's about, right? The show's about her fucking up yes. over and over again, and then trying to make amends. Yes. Um, and so so I think that was a really smart choice. And then to be you know Davy being dumb and kind of being a dick. Let's be real. Everyone on this show is a little bit of <laughs> yes. a dick. But they are such well-rounded, written, likable characters. Like, even with their dick, you still are kind of rooting for them. And then it gives, you know, everyone a lot of shades. And you, no one's really a bad guy. Oh. And no one's really <laughs> great all the time either. So you're just kind of like, oh, this is just fun. You're, like, invested. But it's also not like, oh, I'll die if this doesn't happen. Or I'll die if this I happens. mean, I'll have to say, the only person that's probably not a dick in the entire cast is probably fabiola right no i mean she kind of she ditches her commitment yeah like i would say maybe but that's I more because she was being has their led growing gray as opposed yeah. to like actively wanting to spite somebody i anisa <laughs> ended up being i think somewhat sympathetic i do have to say one person who i think is actually bad is a minor character um who we met this are we season. talking about malcolm yes i oh malcolm <laughs> hate yes. him with a, a passion um, I don't want to drop kicking him into the sun. Um, they didn't resolve that much, but uh, we can go into that a little bit later. I I do think Malcolm was written to be a total like there's no there's no shades in Malcolm. <laughs> Malcolm is just a walking joke, both as like a joke in the show and like a joke of a human being. Yeah. So yes, fuck yeah. Malcolm. Um, Eleanor deserves better. Yes. Is this because she is your insert character in this series? I mean. I mean, Eleanor is a little bit much, yeah. but what teenage girl isn't? Right. I'm just saying. And it is, I mean, it is also kind of cool to see them portray like like what the high school version of a bad boyfriend <laughs> is, like a toxic relationship and, you know, kind of be, be that be a kind of a B storyline throughout the show and how, you know, because I definitely have had that happen where like you don't like a friend's boyfriend and then they kind of pull away mm-hmm. because... The boyfriend, you don't like the boyfriend, even though the boyfriend objectively sucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, you know, you live and you learn. You're a dumb, horny, like, teenage girl. Everyone's going to do that. And it's such a relatable thing to happen in, like, a friendship dynamic when you're yeah. that age. Sometimes when you're older, too. Yeah. I also did, like, the second, like, so the first arc of this, uh, of the season was about the double timing. Double, double dipping. dipping. Double, yeah. yes. The cheating. Um, but the second, I feel like the second arc of this series is kind of the heart of what the season was about. And that was a story about, like, what happens when you're no longer the only ex in school, right? And I thought Anissa was a really great addition to this series. And the actor making Siri did a really great job portraying her. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that we we see when it comes to spaces with, like, um, marginalized groups is when one other person from that group comes in it's kind of <laughs> like wait then what am I um, so so Davy has not only a little bit of an identity crisis but then she also is like well she's better at being Indian than I am even so <laughs> it, it kind of like reminds me of the Simpsons which like where Lisa uh, has her rival come in and the rival is smarter than her does dioramas better than her and even and it plays the saxophone better than her <laughs> So it's kind of like, well, what does Davy have going for her then? Um, if uh, if Anissa is just as smart, she's cool, she's funny, and she's not as awkward. <laughs> so. Yes, that line where they're like, she realizes they didn't, people didn't like her because she was Indian. You know, like it wasn't, she couldn't blame racism. Yeah, anymore. it just showed that she was objectively lame. Uh, it's like yes. that was probably my favorite line throughout the whole thing because I was just like, oh, it's so true. It's so interesting because this is an experience that I personally haven't never had because, again, I grew up in the SGV where I was amongst the Asians. Like we were our high school cool kids were pretty much the Asian kids. Right. Um, Just to I imagine. Um, I don't know about your experience with high school, Han, um, but. Well, the thing is, I grew up in Houston, so we actually are mm, super multicultural or probably yeah, wasn't yeah. as like we had a lot of Asians there, um, but also a lot of black people, a lot of, you know, every sort of, well, probably Mexican since we're, you know, in Texas, um, a lot of Indian. Um, so but for me, I think if I, I so I didn't have those issues when it came to other Asians, but maybe if it was like, oh, if there's another nerdy person who's also on the soccer team, 
Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's the more than more niche you got, then I might feel more of like, oh, but I was the nerd on the soccer team. You so, know, yeah. Um, so if there was another Canadian that came in, I would have been very threatened as right. the only Canadian in school. Just more. Yeah. Just it's not like I mean, I get over it pretty quickly, but you sometimes do like have the, that as an identifying thing for you because I mean, I what my high school class was 2000 plus people. Wow. Um, that is yeah. And I knew I wasn't going to make valedictor- valedictorian. I was still up there in like the top 10, but it's kind of like, who cares about the top 10? You know, <laughs> so it's like, you might as well be in the top 100. It doesn't matter. Wow. You really be sounding like an <laughs> a- Asian mother there. Huh? It so didn't matter if you had a 4.3, really. Oh, if you're not number one, you're first loser. Yes. yes. It's also funny that like, I feel like it's the reverse as a professional Asian. Because when I'm in spaces where like I'm the only Asian person I see and I see another one, I'm like rushing yeah. over to that corner and say, Hello, who are you? Let's hang out. Yeah. Please save me. Oh, yes, I need to know you. I need to <laughs> know you. There's yes. not yeah. who are you? There's not competition and it's also like what what can I have you do? <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, can you take some of the burden off of me? So yeah, I thought that was very cleverly done. I also loved how they did end up becoming friends. Um, I think probably my favorite scene was when Anissa comes over and has the uh tower of ferrero rocher oh <laughs> i did not realize how multicultural that the yes. ferrero rocher cachet is we love a ferrero rocher i i don't has someone written an article explaining this yes. yet like why do we <laughs> i like was it? going to write it and then i saw that it was already written a few years ago i guess i could have like revived it and just had because they included two pictures of that in the netflix media site so i was like i could just sort of like you know like cite that other article and say, but in never have I ever, but I didn't have time to do that. But yeah, uh, it was fantastic. It was a very good moment. And my family, that is very much um, valued, but also we, we also like, um, what's it called? Uh, do you like the Almond Roca? Almond Roca. That's one. it. Yeah. That's oh, it. Almond Roca. My family. <laughs> okay. We all spent, we all went to trips with our parents to Costco before making that trip back to the homeland stuff in yeah. the, check bags with almond roca <laughs> and uh vitamins for kirkland yeah. vitamins okay yes that's the personally universal yeah that's- i love i love almond roca better because of the toffee and the saltiness and so that's good time oh that sounds yeah, so good right now i really crunch. want an almond roca and a ferrero i mean right they're they're both you know like lovely foiled wrap goodies so uh yeah i think yes. i need some of that <laughs> i haven't had it in quite a while yeah. What else can we talk about? Um, oh, well, Team Paxton or Team Ben. Marvin, you were very clear. You were Team Paxton. I just, make your make your. Case. I mean, I just. He was kind of a mega dick to her. Like, I'm sorry your arm got broken, whatever. But like, he was. At some points, I was like, I want to punch you in the face, But boy. so was Ben. I feel like Ben was even ben was more, more so. of a dick. Yeah. yeah, because Paxton actually got over it. Yeah. Like, he, he clearly had a, a very good grudge because he, she, he was being two-timed. And he, his arm got broken. So yeah, she honestly, ruined, she ruined his chances of going to Stanford. Yeah. So honestly, him getting over it in one episode, I thought was pretty good. Which I did love her like incredulity, realizing <laughs> that he can get into Stanford, a dream school for her. Right. Just by swimming. swimming. Yeah. I mean, he swam to San Diego once. It's like, you know, he's an <laughs> exceptional swimmer. By accident. By accident. By you know, accident. so he's exceptional in that regard, uh, but not in any other regard, according to his parents. So I I thought that was a very good one off episode. And I the thought Paxton he had episode. a yeah, and I thought he had such a good arc too because he, you know mm-hmm. being injured and rediscovering like okay I need to try harder at school and actually reconnecting with his roots was like was, a really good really great arc for him which I didn't feel like Ben had that arc and maybe this season one was Ben's arc I guess and season mm-hmm. two was more Paxton's arc yeah. so we'll see what season three has but I just feel like at this point Paxton is ahead. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think what they did was season one that Ben had his arc. That's why he had his uh, Andy Samberg episode where it was just all about him. <laughs> um, and then here we had Gigi Haddad because Chrissy Teigen had to f- drop out as the narrator um, for that episode, the Paxton episode. They had to get a super attractive person doing the narration. And so that's who they ended up with. Um, and then uh, it's. I felt like the redemption story for Paxton hit stronger with me because it it showed that he had also a 
a good self-confidence boost. And he, cause I was like gunning him for him. I was like, oh, you can do well at school. You can, Paxton, please. Uh, so <laughs> I, I was just like, yeah. And, and he was so happy when he got a B. It was very cute. Um, so Jess, I assume you're a team Ben then? <laughs> I'm not really. Te- I honestly think Davey just needs to work on True. herself. <laughs> um, I think both boys... I think it's just too messy with both boys. Like the rational thing to do would just not fuck with either mm-hmm. of them anymore because again, it's just too messy. And honestly, like the way that I think like Paxton, because we do get to spend more time with him, we kind of see his growth and that's great. But then like, if we're looking at specifically just how he's been treating Davey and that relationship, specifically like him going into, we're going to hook up with her and then just blatantly ignoring her. Like if that was one of my friends, I would have kicked his fucking yeah. ass. Like that is no, no, no. Right. Like, um, especially cause she is still grieving and she's still not over her father's death. And she is a, the character, her character is someone who just can't do things halfway which again, I really relate to because I mean, I didn't see my dad die in front of me, but I don't know if this is a universal teenage girl experience or maybe just experience for a certain segment of us. But the feeling, the uncontrollable, just like intensity of feeling as a teenage girl is insane. And I feel like if you're going to be like, let's not put yourself in a position where like these boys are going to be making you act fucking crazier, right? <laughs> no, no, I totally agree. I did not date in high school. I, I think maybe Jess, you might relate. I did not date in high school either, and I was still fucking <laughs> like insane. Like I, my the intensity of my feelings was still like over the charts, and I didn't even date anyone. I cannot even imagine <laughs> if like there were actual viable. Like, yeah, no, that's exactly my point. Boys. Though is. I didn't date in high school because it was hard enough. And also I didn't like any of them. Um, But (laughs) if for some reason I did have like that opportunity to date two guys who were equally interesting in some ways to me, I would have been a fucking mess. Like I would have made so many mistakes. (laughs) She's actually quite held together for someone who has been put through everything she has. And she's like, what, like 15? Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I would have made so many mistakes. It would have been ridiculous. Um, Yes, and like high school boys in general yeah. suck. They're, like, yeah, they're all really Trent, do. right? They're all they suck. Also, I would probably suck. Like to be honest, like I don't blame Davy from for trying to like date both of them. Um, I don't, I don't know what kind of shenanigans I would have been up to if I had dated in high school. But it was just like that's such a messy time too. Um, yeah. But uh, and and I mean probably not even a dating thing. But if we're talking about cringe, can we talk about her apology? to anisa <laughs> oh which one the first the the, the, the flash mob, yeah, flash mob or the, uh, oh that was costume. a scene where i had to just look away and just listen to it because i could not watch i could not watch that scene this is also when you're like okay your friends love you because they didn't talk you out of doing this like what the <laughs> fuck that was so bad but of course it was just you know it's good for the comedy i mean to be fair fabiola is on the spectrum and would not know the appropriate reaction to this and eleanor being the yes. drama queen that she is would be like yeah that's what you yeah. should do i was just like <laughs> i i mean i am 100 percent opposed to like promposals and things being public um so apologies being public are just even worse like what the <laughs> fuck is that so like even though when i watched Ginny and georgia and they had like a um not a promposal, but it was very similar where like someone did a birthday dance for someone. I was just like, that's a very cute scene because clearly the actor knows how to dance, but I would hate that so much. I feel like that's something that can only happen in the age of social media because that wasn't a thing when I was a kid. No, no, no. Back Uh, back in my day. All the kids do this. Like, like all of my, my, well, I don't even know. Second cousins, I guess, whatever. And my friends, kids who are teenagers, they're like, oh, they got they got invited to prom. So that showed me the whole video. And I'm just like, this is horrible. Like, I'm so glad it, was, it started. It had started already when I was oh. in high school. About 10 really? ish. You're 10, young. 10 to 14 years old. For me, ago. it was just staring at a phone for 30 minutes, psyching myself up to like call the girl. No, no. Like, prom, it wasn't as big because we didn't have like smartphones. Mm. But and things were not recorded, but it was like kind of like you would at least make a sign or something like that. But like, that's a very like, you know, we 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 grew up my generation, people my age, we really grew up in the age of like YouTube. Right. And that was the mm-hmm. cool thing to have a 
splash mob proposal oh thing and i'm just like oh god if that happens now i'm gonna say no and run away and like go die yeah. somewhere in a case I, okay so personally i just don't like a lot of public displays of anything um but so the closest we got were not promposals but if i don't know if you've ever heard of this but in texas um for homecoming you have mums you know about that? Yeah. Yes. I, I, I went through a whole rabbit hole just mm-hmm. like two days ago, huh? <laughs> yeah. So mums are a thing where they're these giant like fake flowers with extra like ribbons and, and doodads and whatever hanging from them. And um, it, the cooler you are as a girl in high school, the more mums you're going to have. So you might make your own, but then you'll make some for your friends and your friends will make you some. And then maybe like. I don't know if your boyfriend gives you one. I don't know. The reason why I say I don't know is I never had one. Um, but I just remember. Oh, no, no, I didn't care because I would not have wanted to wear it. So my best friend did care about those things. And so she had like a mom and or two or, or something like that. And I think two was a, a respectable. OK, but like the girls who were really popular, you could barely see their face. Uh, so <laughs> so it, it was just like I would look at these girls and I was just like, I hope someone has like recorded all of this for posterity but i mean it's still going on in texas i think so but it's utterly ridiculous but i just don't like public things like that so but it is interesting because it's very much a high school thing so uh i i feel like kind of promposals are similar in that way man i mean is it just a high school thing because have you seen gender reveal tiktoks and like oh no no i meant well (laughs) specifically you know those type of things but yes uh, i agree i i do agree gender reveals are also bullshit um uh, or like bachelor parties or bachelorette parties now like like the intensity of them and the scale of them are kind of crazy I mean, th- now, the fact so. that gender reveals have caused forest fires they've and killed death, people and death, would you would think that people and also they're somewhat of a more recent thing like in the last 10 15 years right so it's like people started this and they still think it's a good idea and also you can't determine your kid's gender um just from <laughs> there's a really good podcast yeah. episode about that i would recommend yeah it, but you yes. can maybe wait and have a gender reveal when they reveal it to you <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i and the thing is like you know i love my cousins but like one of mine um one of my cousins was like well my friend i have to go to her um uh, baby shower but she won't reveal the gender to me and i'm like just get her whatever you want then and she's like but i need to know blue or pink and i'm like no you don't you really don't don't. you really don't don't. no you really don't (laughs) just get purple split the difference you know well also just don't care (laughs) just buy whatever you want like i especially i don't know i have maybe it's because i have also my friends who are cool with this also they just got whatever they thought was cute so if the t-shirt happened to have like a a uh, guitar like an electric guitar on it sure get that but if it also happened to have a penguin sure get that whatever they wanted you know the kids not gonna care that young um <laughs> yeah. and then if they start having taste then they'll be like no i want a tutu or whatever it is then that's fine all right um oh wait i want to move on because we haven't really focused on these but other than the high school plot lines i thought they did a really good job with the older uh women in davy's family so her mom nalini and her grandma. And her yeah. grandma. And, well, yeah, you're right, grandma. And then Kamala. Yeah, I mean, at the core of the show, it's still a story about a girl and a family, really, dealing with a new normal, right? Like a, the sudden death of a loved one and what it leaves behind. And I love that in this season, they also focus a lot more on um, Nalini, the mom's kind of journey, because I think a lot of her her arc in the first season was done in the background, right? Like, she was kind of suffering in silence, but you didn't really focus on her. She yeah, was always she, like reacting to Davy's shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. And and then it makes sense because, first of all, that is a parent. Um, mm-hmm. And Davy's pretty much out there. But also, yeah, you're right. She's dealing with grief. And so she just was just sort of keeping her head above water at that yeah. point. So here we get to see her like sort of actually grow more. She uh, she <laughs> she realizes det- her own parents are trash. Right. And, well, she yeah. also like realizes that she's more Indian American than Indian at this point. So. I mean, that is a really immigrant mm-hmm. thing to say because, like, a lot of us, like, when we leave a country, when our families leave a country, they leave a certain version of that country, and yes, you know, that country stays the same in our in our minds and our culture as we grow up in you know our second homeland. But the home country keeps growing and keeps changing. Yeah, my mom. My oh, mom. Yes. I remember her saying this at one point to me. She's like, well, "I've now lived in Texas longer than I have in." 
Vietnam. And I was just like, whoa. So I was like, do you feel like you're Vietnamese when you go back there? Um, And so she, you know, she kind of does like she can slip into her very local central dialect. But definitely they she is she says she's more American. I do love the um, the introduction of the grandma, which is Mohan, the father played by the very the still very hot um, (laughs) Sandal Ramamurthy. And I did love that. It's still so novel to have like a a lovable Asian grandma character, right? Because yeah, we're so we, used to them being so severe. Like. Well, we also saw this in um, uh, Minari, right? Yeah. Where where a grandma comes to live with you and you have to adjust to that. But it also ends up being kind of like a very lovable relationship um, with some humor, too. I definitely went through that where both of my grandmas at separate times uh, came to the States and lived with us. And we had to like... <laughs> create like a, a room for her because we didn't have enough rooms so we like converted like the dining room into a room um and when uh friends would come over and they would see like my grandma uh on the ground in the kitchen and you know like using <laughs> uh, a, a cutting board on the floor they're like what's going on uh there were a lot of moments where it was kind of like an adjusting because i didn't know who this person was like i didn't have any memory of these people so yeah it was an adjustment for both grandmas two two of my favorite little like moments from the season uh deal with grandma so one of them is when she's trying to sneak out and she has to set up all those traps for her grandma like really like like i really like like very specific cultural jokes especially when she's like oh like i really like if grandma could just make this really complicated traditional dish that would bind our family together even if it takes hours and like i was like oh my god you're 100 there is every culture has that one really specific dish that is delicious but takes hours to prepare so no one does it but you know grandma can be like a total like stern like like scaldy woman to you but she's gonna take the time to make that food for you if you it's ask it's also the it. one recipe that um, will probably die with your grandma because mm-hmm. no one will ever learn it yeah because no one's gonna yeah. learn to do it the traditional way because who has the fucking time yeah. and also there's probably and, no recipe and then, yep and then super wild she just like tries i mean when when she basically calls Davy out and like stands up for Nalini, like that was very unexpected mm-hmm. to me. Even you know, she kind of tries to slap Davy, but doesn't really like. Yes, that was very cute. It, it's not very hard, which is a great like subversion too of kind of these like family dramas. You see, like that's such a cliche thing where you're like, you know, the slap, and you're like, <gasps> but then like you know, slap like, oh that that, <laughs> like that. Are you okay? Like, are you? Eating? I mean, the fact that your grandma um, tried to slap you is pretty. I think. Yeah. Like. Like you, Scary. you were chastised at that point. Like yeah. she didn't have to actually yes. succeed very strongly. But um, the other Nalini plotline I think uh, that I enjoyed was uh, with Mister yeah. Common, Doctor. When Common. Common first appeared as like her rival dermatologist, I was like, oh, they're definitely gonna yeah. like they're gonna do yeah. oh a hundred percent. You don't cast Common <laughs> to be the rival dermatologist. Are you not gonna give him some loving? Yeah. That was good times. And then he opens his mouth and the common voice comes out and you're like, oh yeah. I mean, you know what? I think they were very smart about the way they did it and it was like, it felt very natural and (laughs) I'm I'm looking forward to more there. Um, I mean, like I mentioned, like I like that this season focused, like focused a little bit more on Nalini's own journey and like how she is also missing something, right? Because her, her, her husband's gone and she needs to fill that hole with something, which like matches what davy's going through as well yeah i i think this is a bit more straightforward i think you can tell like yeah she still misses her husband but she's also feeling a little bit like i need some sexiness um going on and so there she is attracted to common she there's an interest there but she's not ready yet um so i i look forward to the next season (laughs) and i will say as much as they fight and the show obviously positions this really deep relationship between Davy and her dad I mean she's like a Nalini mini me right <laughs> they both are like in kind of like intense women with just too many feelings who don't know how yeah. to like like channel that in a healthy way um so you know when Davy's like pulling up and trying to like hide from the house and she realizes her mother <laughs> is also hiding from the house right and her mother I mean Nalini also has her like asshole moments in the show too where right? she like lies to Davy, like blatantly lies to Davy, like ga- kind of gaslights Davy. Um 
and like is trying to like i'm just like y'all the same person that's why you fight so much just like me and my mom yeah. uh which is also great you know mother-daughter dynamics will always get and, and that also explains why the loss of mohan is so intense because he was that sort of lightness that each of them were able to deal with. Yeah. The buffer, the chill, the, the, the ability to express just like pure yeah, love. Yeah, and you remove that and both of them are like floundering. So yeah, now they have to find their way, which I thought they did a very good job with this season yeah. for for them. I was a little disappointed that Kamala got significantly less screen time this season. I mean, how can how can you live up to Steve? But um, <laughs> I know Eddie Eddie Lou. Yeah, where is he? Where did he go? He went to How- Kung Fu. That's where yeah. he went. However, I do have to say I did for the limited storyline. I was very appreciative of what they did with her storyline, which was basically you know she got a new research job. Uh, she's she's working on like a PhD, I believe. Um, and yeah. uh, and then her her boss is basically takes advantage of her, makes her do the grunt work, and then while he hangs out with the other guys. And then um, even though she had a big discovery, wouldn't give her credit on the paper. So I was just like, yeah, this all happens. I'm so glad they brought it up. But also her, well, not fiance, boyfriend gave her the worst advice. And I was just like, oh, as soon as it came out of his mouth, because she was like, I'm having problems at work. And she kind of outlines it. And he's just like, you know, you just need to show that you're one of the guys and just like you know show that you share their interests and so she has to like dress up and cosplay I mean, and all this other <laughs> crazy stuff and i was like nope she nope i mean it's such a traditional like asian parent yes. thing to say which i think is her like her her conflict is she is being set up on this arranged marriage and she needs to decide if it's for her and i think you know they're setting up this conflict in season three probably where it's like basically between the traditional Indian side and like her American side, which is also a conflict for the series, right? Like yes. how Indian, how American, and can you be both? Yeah, because be I, I actually think that like, I mean, it's I, I, I think the you can ag- you can agree that the advice is bad or not how you would handle it. Um, I still know people who do handle problems like that, and sometimes it does work. What Prashnat was saying, but like the running out uh, <laughs> during the dinner <laughs> while his family's there, like that's a big asshole. I mean, uh, that's what she gets for watching I mean, Riverdale. I mean, she's definitely related to Davey and yes. Alini, right? Well, it, it, this is also where you're talking about like the American side coming through, where she's actually now having sort of a weird. Um, crisis um because she was the perfect indian cousin right you know she did all the right things she's going to the right you know doing the right uh getting the right profession she has the correct boyfriend that was she was set up with he's probably gonna propose but then just the fact that she doesn't quite feel like he's right because you know that advice didn't work for her um and then she starts questioning everything else uh, yeah, she she freaks out and she leaves in the middle of the, the dinner, which I was just like, oh, that is a Davy move. I was just like, yes, I totally valid. That's not the life you want. <laughs> you know, they're obviously like setting up, you know, this like his family's super annoying and asking about like babies yeah. and stuff already. But I'm like, man, just say you don't want to get married. I mean, then we wouldn't have like, the- he technically didn't do anything no, wrong. No. I will say that. I don't think Prashnath did no, anything he's wrong. Fine. And that was kind of fucked up to do that well, to him. Yeah, and I'm she like, also girl, didn't, get yourself together. Well, she also didn't push back on his advice too, which she probably should have. Well, right? like, he probably would have backed off. Well, she could have she... tried it and said it didn't work and then talked to him again because the thing is, this is your boyfriend. So yes, as we well, know with a lot of these shows, a simple conversation would have helped. <laughs> communication skills. If you had communication skills, there would be no show because there'd well, be no there was also a second conversation though where he told her just don't make waves yeah like, that's definitely let, every let them everyone. leave your name off but that is still like <laughs> i mean we don't have to agree or like that like approach but that is still a an approach yeah. yeah and and again they you know she still could have had a conversation with him instead of like running away um, i mean but but then we wouldn't have no, I you know no, the hot I, mess of a show that we know and I, love. Right? I agree. Basically, she learned from Davy to speak up for herself, and then 
and act impulsively. <laughs> and then therefore pool, <laughs> and then therefore pool to Davy, as we now know is a term on the show. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what her inner monologue is. Like what celebrity actor. Oh my god. I don't Oh my god, if it's not Priyanka right, Chopra, right? right? Like <laughs> Like the perfect, right? At least in the Western lens, like the perfect Indian <laughs> woman. Maybe, maybe, or or maybe they would go against type, and I don't know. I, mean, like I don't cast. know who the stars are on Riverdale, but they should get someone from Riverdale. That's what I was thinking was someone from Riverdale. Maybe one of the older. I don't know, but I I don't know which one would really fit. So, um, I mean, I watched the first <laughs> season, and it's it's kind of a hot mess, but it's also like doesn't pretend to be anything that it isn't. So there's going to be a lot of shirtlessness and homoeroticism. <laughs> if you didn't know, if you didn't know, I like all those <laughs> yes, things. Yes. All right, all right. So we're at the end of our discussion, so we gotta we gotta make a verdict. Does never have I ever remain good pop? Yes, can't wait for season three. Uh, yes, I. This season started off a little rough for me. It's not necessarily because I didn't love the dating two people uh, plot line, but I felt like it was more gimmicky. Um, but then it really settled into itself and I ended up like loving some of these other storylines so much. I think the Anissa storyline was probably one of my favorites. Um, uh, and But I do think that they maybe tried to fit in a few too many things. So every now and then they just dropped a story and I was like, oh, that's all? That's all you're going to do with the uh, the the eating disorder or or the horrible boyfriend, uh, <laughs> you know, Malcolm? Because I was like, I want to see comeuppance for him. Like, if they bring him back, they, I want them to bring him back just so we can, like, get revenge on him. Uh, they should um Josh him, whatever the guy, like, Olivia Rodrigo's ex-boyfriend. Mm. You know, like, he basically can't show his face anymore because Olivia Rodrigo wrote the whole album dissing him. <laughs> Good job. But, yes, exactly. They should have Olivia Rodrigo or someone like that on the show and getting revenge. But, yeah. So, uh, yes, it's good pop. I can't wait for season three. Definitely. I also believe it remains good pop. Um, just the perfect mix of cringe with heart, with comedy, and just all the actors are so charming. I've gotten past. I feel like they actually made Paxton look a little younger this season. I don't know what you're talking about because that's just gross to me if you think that he looks younger because they a little was, bit maybe he was so shirtless. He was so shirtless. Oh, that one scene where he does the woodworking. It's probably just because everyone is a little bit older. Oh. Maybe. Could be. Especially my trainee, yeah. who is now at 19, least 19 yes. or 20. She was like 18 when she filmed yeah, the first Yeah, she's season. 19 now and he's 30. That's true. <laughs> oh, God. But, you know, like, Asian don't raisin. And then, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, like, you do kind of, yeah. like, look, start looking older from, like, that time of, like, 18 to 21 is, like, when you start, like, No, no. <laughs> I, I totally understand. When, when I moved to L.A. and I was, what, 22, 23, and people thought I was 12. Uh, so, <laughs> I... Probably when I was thirty, I probably looked eighteen. So um, it's fine, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm I'm glad. I think they because he is thirty, they're like, yeah, we can totally get him so many shirtless scenes now. <laughs> All right, uh, never have it ever. Season two is playing now on Netflix, so check it out. Let us know what you think uh, by following us on Twitter. You can find us at Good Pop Club. Just Han, if people want to follow your thoughts on Twitter, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at Just You Tweets. And my bad puns are at Anonymous. And you can find me at Marvin Yue. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Uh, check out our fellow Potluck Pod by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us for our discussion of Never Have I Ever Season 2. Uh, we'll be back next week when we talk about The Green Knight. What did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> so excited. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada's a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 